Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes, because this mascara is specially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Lux mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Prince William disgusted over Prince Harry's tell-all as details emerge that the relationship between the brothers is really bad. Again, there's so much speculation. Are they talking? Aren't they talking? Um, I can understand how they maybe wouldn't be talking. The queen drops out of the annual Easter tradition as she remembers Prince Philip on the first anniversary of his death. I mean, it was so beautiful. It was really emotional to look back on, on this sort of montage, all the memories they had. Plus, author Tom Quinn breaks down royal scandals and why Prince Harry may return to the royal family. I, as I say, I've had this on good authority. When the Queen dies, Charles will be open to allowing Harry and Meghan to be part-time royals. We've got that plus so much more in today's Royally Us. Hello to our fellow royal lovers and welcome to Royally Us. I'm Christina, that's Christine, and welcome to a big week of royal news. Last week was a little slow. This week, we're ramping it back up again. Yeah, it's kind of nice to have some fun things to go through and things to discuss after what was a really quiet week last week. Definitely. Well, let's see what you guys had to say about last week's show. Jonesy says, great show tonight. I'm relieved it's been a quieter week for the royals. The past few months have been exhausting. Completely agree that PA's recent IG message was completely tone deaf of course prince andrew's um instagram message and we have to agree it was completely tone deaf yeah that's, that's the best summary we can make of it is totally <laughs> um next one says if the queen needs assistance there is no control over who she asks she knows her own mind if she chooses to ask andrew he is not going to say to his own mother no we don't like what he has done to his family but unfortunately it's the queen's decision that's true too i mean if, um, if your mother asks you to do something something you're probably not going to say no um so that's probably what happened especially when your mother is the queen <laughs> exactly exactly and then finally gp says i have never seen kate on a horse actually come to think of it neither have i somebody did say in the comments that she could be allergic to horses but i don't know if yeah, that's there's been this rumor going on for i mean over a decade that she's actually allergic to horses um because you don't really see her ever getting close to them i think it was kind of debunked at one point there might have been one royal tour where like she petted them or something like that but yeah she we never see her go near them 
So funny. So interesting. All right. Well, let's get into our Royal Royal Roundup and kick it off with Queen Elizabeth's emotional tribute to Prince Philip on the first anniversary of his death, which was on April 9th. So she took to her social media account to share a moving poem written by the UK's poet Laurent Simon Armadage. I'm sorry if I said that wrong, alongside a video montage that features special moments of Philip's life and their life together, including the royal wedding day and the arrival of their four children, grandchildren and great grandchildren. Take a look. Husbands to duty, they unrolled their plans across billiard tables and vehicle bonnets, regrouped at breakfast. What their secrets were was everyone's guess and nobody's business. Great-grandfathers from birth, in time they became both inner core and outer case in a family heirloom of nesting dolls. Definitely a moving way to mark the anniversary of Prince Philip's death. Um, Some beautiful photos that she shared and what an incredible life they had together. I mean, it was so beautiful. It was really emotional to look back on on this sort of montage, all the memories they had. I think it's a great example of the royal family sort of stepping into the 21st century, you know, using social media and technology in a really unique and meaningful way. Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, the palace announced that the Queen will miss the Royal Monday service at St. George's Chapel in Windsor Castle on April 14th, taking place the Thursday ahead of Easter each and every year. Now, this is something that a lot of people look forward to because she distributes especially minted coins known as Monday money to recognize people over 70 years old for their service to their communities. Um, Yeah. so, So another big Royal event that she is going to not partake in. Yeah, this is like really like an iconic event in her calendar every year. People really look forward to it. Um, So the Prince of Wales and the Duchess of Cornwall, Charles and Camilla are going to take her place. I think it's another example of Charles sort of slowly stepping into his position of sovereign, um, you know, sort of maybe getting the public ready for the queen being able to do less and less public duties. So it's the first time, I think, in a really long time, if not ever, that she's missed this. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know that the only other times that, you know, before the pandemic and before her health concerns, the times that she missed these big events were um, during, you know, maternity leaves right after she had had children. So seeing her miss these events is really big and, and really kind of upsetting for a lot of people. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, like you said, we're kind of going to see Prince Charles stepping in more and more as he has been. And I feel like we're going to be seeing less and less of these public appearances. I mean, she has been doing a lot of things on Zoom, which is great, but that's what's comfortable to a lot of people now, not just the queen that, you know, a lot of people enjoy doing their work via Zoom. And if she can do that, it doesn't, you know, she's almost 96 years old. You have to remember that. So her getting up and about and going to these public events, it probably takes a lot out of her, especially after just um, battling COVID because she actually opened up about her experience with COVID-19 saying in a virtual meeting that it was frightening. So take a look. And it it does leave one very tired and exhausted, doesn't it? This horrible pandemic. And, you know, this is the first time she's spoken about it. She said, you know, she was kind of speaking broadly, but it was, uh, you know, said that she she was very tired from it, which a lot of people have experienced, especially in 96. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I think a lot of people have found that it really, you know, knocks you off your feet. And a lot of people have been kind of surprised by how um, seriously they're affected by it. And it's nice to hear from the queen, although she is 96, um, to have her relate to everyone else's experience. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. Um, so it's good that she's talking about it and, um, you know, and is feeling better and doing these zoom calls. So at least we're seeing her and she's out and about and doing that. So we wish her, uh, you know, nothing but the healthiest, uh, days ahead. Totally. All right. Well, 
This is interesting. So if you look like Kate Middleton, then listen up because the crown is reportedly looking to cast Kate for their fifth season of the show, which will reportedly cover the late nineties and early two thousands. It's speculated that the crown will portray Kate in a minor role, depicting the beginning of her romance with William during their time together at the university of St. Andrews in Scotland. Uh, Now this comes shortly after they were doing a casting announcement for Prince William and Prince Harry. So things are definitely moving forward um, on the upcoming season or the next season of the crown yeah it's so interesting because we don't really know when they're going to stop or how it's going to play out or what they're going to cover but as they sort of announce you know like william and harry and kate you can kind of see the timeline that they're building um i'm so interested to see who takes this role i think that i most actresses would just be terrified (laughs) i feel like it's going to be like an up-and-coming actress that we've never heard of before i don't think that anybody like A-list actresses, like a Kristen Stewart or somebody like that. I don't think that she's going to take on a role like this. Imagine a Kristen Stewart who just did Spencer, then yes. goes to the crown and does Kate as well. I would love it. Um, please let us know in the comments who you think would be a great Kate Middleton, because that, that's a, definitely going to be a hard casting role. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Prince Charles and his wife, uh, Duchess Camilla, will be visiting Canada in May as part of the celebrations for the Queen's Platinum Jubilee this year. Prince of Wales and Duchess Cornwall will be making stops in Newfoundland Ottawa and the Northwest Territories during the tour. Um, now, this was according to a news release by uh, Clarence House. Um, so they haven't been there in a little while. So it's nice that they're going to be heading to heading to Canada. And Justin Trudeau is very excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love the relationship that the Royals have with Canada. I think they are still very close. You know, Canada is a Commonwealth country. It's been a long time since they were sort of, you know, a, a, a really strong member of the realm. Now they're just sort of um, a Commonwealth political friend. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, Justin Trudeau seems to love Prince Charles. And, and every time you see them together at some event or another, um, it, it seems like they're strangely old friends. Uh, but yeah, I love I'm looking forward to seeing this tour since, you know, they are all of the royals are taking on a number of tours throughout the Commonwealth as part of the Jubilee celebrations. But as we just saw, William and Kate's tour sort of didn't really get the coverage and didn't go as well as everyone had hoped. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see, you know, what Charles and Camilla do differently. I know we talked about it maybe last week or the week before when they visited Ireland and Charles and Camilla were like doing Irish dancing, which is very unusual for these royal tours. Um, But I think it makes the royal tours more noticeable. People get talking about it. And so I'm interested to see how they bring that energy to Canada. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And like you said, it's going to be I wonder how things will shift coming off of the Royal Caribbean tour where it got a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of mixed reactions. So it'll be interesting to see how they kind of shift the Royal tours going forward. So we'll have to see. All right. Well, now it is time to spill the Royal tea and Royal author Tina Brown is getting ready to release her upcoming book, The Palace Papers Inside the House of Windsor, The Truth and the Turmoil. And she did an interview with The Telegraph and gave some very interesting tidbits. So let's break this down. This is definitely going to be an explosive book once it is released in the upcoming weeks. Um, She said that William was disgusted over Harry's tell-all interview. I mean, we've heard that before. We have heard that Harry and that William was not happy about this, especially the remarks that Meghan made about Kate, um, because, you know, the motto of the royal family is never complain, never explain. So we know that Kate will not defend herself. Right. It's been, you know, this is a subject that's been retold and rehashed so many times. And I sort of said, 
to a friend recently, like how, what else could we possibly learn? And my friend said, you know, if anyone knows it's going to be Tina. So I'm so excited to hear what's coming out of this story. Um, apparently William was discussed it over the interview, which we can absolutely relate to, or not relate to, but understand how he would be. Um, you know, she said, Harry and Meghan have this us against the world attitude, which really conflicts with the Royal family's, um, you know, commitment to the crown and sort of the larger picture and the bigger picture of the family. Um, and, she, you know, she does, Tina Brown does confirm that the relationship between the brothers is terrible right now, which again, there's so much speculation. Are they talking? Aren't they talking? Um, I can understand how they maybe wouldn't be talking. Yeah, I can <laughs> yeah. understand that too. And she, she also said that Harry has been very angry that uh, Camilla will become queen, that they have a very icy relationship, that he never really wanted to be in the same room of her with her we've had that same reporting from multiple royal uh, experts that we've had on the show too so it definitely seems like it's confirmed that you know they have a not a very good relationship a strained relationship and he is not happy that she is going to be taking that queen consort title yeah it's so interesting to to hear more about that because it does seem that you know in public they seem to get on at least you know very very um you know civilly and they're polite and friendly in public so it's interesting to hear to learn that behind closed doors it's much a much colder relationship Definitely. An excerpt from the book was also released. And then she talks about how Camilla actually had a hard time adjusting to royal life and Charles's schedule. She wrote punctuality had never been Camilla's strong suit, but Charles expected her to be ready for engagements at her his own regimented pace. When she asked where they were going, he would snap. Having you read the brief, one of Camilla's friends at the time told me that she had even started to feel some empathy with Diana's manifold discontents. Um, interesting. I would imagine that adjusting to royal life is not easy. And, you know, this ran in Charles blood from day one. So I'm sure he probably just automatically assumed people would kind of pick up on it right away. Right. And I imagine that it's really different to go from sort of, you know, your other half's partner and fiance and then wife to all of a sudden also being his business partner in a way. And, you know, having to work together in this very strange professional environment must have been overwhelming in those first couple of years. Oh, totally overwhelming to say the least. <laughs> well, moving on to there's like this new documentary called Funniest Royal Cockups. And um, Katie Nichols, who is a royal editor at Vanity Fair, said that Prince William's awkward laugh um, as the foursome were quizzed um, on the reported fallout was a key indicator that something was definitely wrong. So she said it is William's slightly awkward laugh that gives it all away. And of course, knowing what we know now about what at the time was really going on behind the scenes, you know, this is no family banter sort of digging at each other. This there was a major family feud. So this was, of course, way back in the day where the four of them um, gathered to talk about, I believe it was mental health, how they were all going to be uh, doing their charity together. And so take a look at this uncomfortable moment. <laughs> Working together as family, do you ever have disagreements about things? <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> yeah, healthy, healthy disagreement. Okay, the last thing you disagreed on, how do you resolve it? Uh, I can't remember, they come so thick and forth. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, but it's, is it resolved? We don't know. Oh, we don't know. Well, you're putting on a great show if it's not. Um, yeah, I mean, if you really kind of look into it, I guess you could maybe say hints of uh, tension between the four of them. I do remember. I remember this event. And at the time, we were all excited to see the four of them together. And then, you know, a year or whatever it was years later, when you go back and look at it, you're like, oh, you can sort of see like awkwardness and tension um, that we maybe didn't notice at the time. But looking back, it's you can sort of see those signs. Yeah. 
cut it with a knife. All right. Well, now it is time to break down the royal rules. And to help us do that is Tom Quinn, author of Scandals of the Royal Palaces, an intimate memoir of royals behaving badly. Take a look. What made you want to write this book? Well, actually, my interest in the royals goes back um, to the end of the 1980s. I worked on a very eccentric magazine. We wrote about horses and fishing and that kind of thing. And our office looked into the um, the grounds of Windsor Castle. And I became friends with the Queen's gamekeeper. Um, and we were chatting one day. And by the way, his wife looked after the, the corgis. Um, so he was deeply involved with the royal family. And um, anyway, I was chatting to him and he suggested, he said, oh, no one's ever written a book about, um, about royal gillies because at Balmoral, and Sandringham, they employ gillies, you know, it's the old Gallic word for a servant, a Highland servant. So I did this book and then it just developed from that. And um, I suddenly realized in more recent times that um, there's something very odd about royal scandals. First of all, they've always existed, you know, for centuries, royals, especially when the royal family lost political power, they became much more concerned, a bit like rock stars, you know, they could get anyone to sleep with them, they could, you know, they could use personal power to get what they wanted. And I began to think, well, scandals, they're a bad thing for the royal family. But when you look more deeply, you realise actually they're both a good thing and a bad thing. Because um, as someone said to me, someone very close to Diana said, um, the work for the royals, the one thing worse than being written about in a negative way because there's been a scandal is being completely ignored. Mm -hmm. So it was all that that was behind the idea of the book. I just thought it would be so interesting. Like you said, there's been so many different types of scandals over the years. Which one would you say that probably rocked the royal family the most? Oh, I think without question, it was the the treatment of um, Diana, um, Princess Diana. And I think I think that was because they they made a major misjudgment of just how popular she was. And I think that's because they felt she was a loose cannon. And to some extent, in the run up to her dying, they had because they cut themselves off from her mm -hmm. to some extent, because really they felt in the, in, the, in the same way that in, in the early 20th century, in the 18th century and the 19th century, if a prince had affairs, his wife was expected just to put up with it. And Diana wasn't prepared to play that game. And so they felt she was the cause of all the trouble. So they distanced themselves from her. And by the time she died, they were out of touch with the extent to which she'd become this sort of world uh, figure. You know, obviously the most recent royal scandal with Harry and Meghan leaving the royal family, doing this big, you know, bombshell interview. I mean, do you feel probably Queen Elizabeth felt the same way, furious that they kind of aired all this dirty laundry out there? I'm sure, yes. And the, the other thing about Harry um, leaving, effectively leaving the royal family and going to live in America with an American woman, I think for Elizabeth the Queen, this has sort of frightening echoes of her uncle, Edward VIII, abdicating for, you know, it's almost as if history is repeating itself. Mm -hmm. But I don't think she feels she's a very... I think she's a very pragmatic woman, very unemotional woman. Right. And I think the, the one thing that will comfort her about Harry going 
to the States is that he's not the heir to the throne. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, with her uncle, Edward VIII, it was was a much more dangerous situation because he was the king. He was giving up the throne and damaging the reputation of the royal family. But because Harry's, you know, he's the spare, not the heir, I think, you know, she will be worried for personal reasons as much as for the public image of the royal family. Um, And I think she'll be very concerned that, this situation will continue and may get worse. But for the moment, because he's not the heir, I don't think it's a major thing for her to worry about. Right. Why do you think the press and the people turn so quickly on Megan? You know, I think you write that she almost kind of wanted to rewrite the rules a little bit. Yes, I think um, initially, inevitably, it was a wonderful, it was probably the best fairy tale royal wedding of the century because Meghan's background was so different. Here was this um, biracial American woman who was divorced. All these things would have been have been impossible. Someone like that couldn't have married into the royal family 20 years ago. But now it was possible. So it seemed a marvellously refreshing modern wedding. And it showed that the royal family in the important ways had had sort of come in, caught up with the rest of us. But I think you're absolutely right. What happened after the marriage was that I think Meghan found being part of the royal family absolutely stultifying because Mm -hmm. They were not prepared to change at all. You know, they basically said to her, you know, you have to obey our rules and we're not going to change the rules. Mm -hmm. And I think because that caused friction, a lot of people, I mean, I talk to people who work in Kensington Palace and Buckingham Palace all the time. And inevitably, if there's friction, there's no point in getting people to sign agreements where they won't talk to the press. The stories come out of the palace. They get to the press and the media. And that's what happened. And Megan was pilloried because I think partly because she was idealized at the beginning. And this was a perfect attempt for the press, especially the tabloids over here who specialize in this, where you know they build someone up. Yeah. Because then they can knock them down. They can have two. And so Megan set herself up, unfortunately. Uh, she set herself up for that perfectly because she did try to change things. And I think, to be fair to her, she all she was really trying to do was trying to say, well, look, there may be better ways of doing things. Mm-hmm. We don't have to do everything um, in the way that it's been done for 100 years just because it's been done like that for 100 years. So I think she was, to some extent, more sinned against than sinning, if I can put it like that. Yeah. I mean, where would you say that this scandal ranks in terms of like probably all the big royal scandals, you know, Harry and Meghan leaving the royal family? Because, you know, in modern day, this kind of, you know, rocked the monarchy a little bit. Yeah, I think it it, it is a big scandal because Harry has become a loose cannon. Mm -hmm. They're very worried. You know, we we know his autobiography is coming out soon. Mm -hmm. The royal family are very worried because he's a loose cannon. They don't know what he'll say. And I think actually he's so cross with the royal family that there's a chance he may say things which are so damaging and will be so widely read because he's the author of the book mm-hmm. um, that it really could threaten, um, well, it won't be Elizabeth's reign, but certainly Charles's reign. Yeah. Um, but on the other hand, I've heard it on good authority that um, Meghan and Harry are hoping, because there have been indications that would allow them to hope, mm-hmm. that when the present queen dies, things will change because we've already heard um, Charles say he wants to streamline the royal Mm -hmm. family, modernise it. I think Meghan and Harry are hoping, and as I say, I've had this on good authority, that when the Queen dies, Charles will be open to allowing 
Harry and Meghan to be part-time royals, which is what they wanted from the start. But of mm. course, the Queen, who grew up with this sense that you're either in fully or out fully, she wouldn't allow. But Meghan and Harry think Charles may well allow this. And of course, that in itself will end up being a scandal. Right. No, but that's true. But I feel like that in a way could help mend their relationship as well, since they've been so strained for, or at least, you know, reportedly been so strained for so long. Yes, I think so. I mean, and, and one of the reasons Charles is very likely to do that is precisely because it looks very bad for year after year to pass. And these close members of the same family are, are at each other's throats. That yeah. just doesn't look good. It would be better to say to Harry, OK, we'll do it the way you want to do it. You can be here for six months. And, you know, I mean, the curious thing is not as if being a working member of the royal family involves anything politically sensitive or controversial because really when they're full-time royals they open hospitals they they you know give their names to charities so that is possible that that they could do that for half the year yeah and and you know do their other stuff in america i think it's the it when megan said or implied that she saw being a member of the royal family as a brand that could be used could be monetized i think that really frightened people that seemed to be in a way, the biggest scandal, bigger than the fact that there was this family rift, right. you know, because although they're very wealthy, the royal family, they, you know, it's a typical English aristocracy thing. They've got lots of money, but it's very vulgar to talk about right. money yeah. or to try and make money, you know, which Definitely. is unfair. And Megan doesn't understand that at all. So, Tom, thank you so much. And to everybody watching, make sure you pick up Scandals of the Royal Palaces, an intimate memoir of royals behaving badly. It is a must read. And I'm so excited that we got the chance to chat today. Thank you so much. Thank you. You know, I thought it was interesting where he said that maybe Prince Charles, when he becomes king, will make a role for Harry and Meghan and kind of let them, you know, he wanted to slim down the monarchy, but maybe he will let them do that part-time role as royals. I don't know. It was definitely an interesting take. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things where we won't know until it happens and we have to see how, you know, how the history unravels. Exactly. All right. Well, in our royal history moment of the week, Prince Charles and Duchess Camilla celebrated their 17th wedding anniversary on April 9th, which, of course, which we mentioned was the one year anniversary of Prince Philip's death. But 17 years. I mean, it feels like a lifetime now, but 17 years. I I know it feels like I remember seeing her wedding dress and I remember the the chatter about her headpiece, how she didn't wear a veil. She wore this really interesting headpiece, which I think is incredible. Um, But I can't believe that 17 years. We talked about this recently where somehow it feels like it just happened, but it was also a hundred years ago. Um, But it was really interesting to look back on that. And yet it's so sad that now the day is sort of marked by Prince Philip's death, Um, sort of a double-edged sword of celebrating one really happy day and then mourning another. Yeah, no, definitely. All right. Well, now it is time to check in our pint-sized palace. And we are hearing that Princess Charlotte is top of her class. A source tells us weekly in the latest issue that Charlotte is sharp and bright as a button. She's top of her class at reading. She actually enjoys doing homework. She loves acrobats and is very into the arts and acting. Whenever she gets a chance, she'll put on a performance. I know she, you can almost see this, you know, in the clips that we've seen. I remember from Louis christening, she was sort of sassy to the photographers. So you can tell that she's um, quite a character, really strong personality. And I love that for her. She seems like a really strong, independent little girl. I love it. I love it. Well, Christine, thank you so much for running down all things Royals with me. What a show this week. I feel like we covered so much. So much to talk about. Lots of interesting topics as well. Definitely. Well, keep commenting, keep subscribing. And Christine and I will see you guys next week.